This one is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And you can look it up on your phone or imagine the words in your head. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you have seen me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. So, in fairness to whoever makes the slides, it's probably Sarah, um, <laughs> my, my process for preparing for today started yesterday morning when Henry and I sat down and looked at the, the lectionary choices that we had. There's four different passages, usually two from the Old Testament and two from the New Testament, although this week there were three from the New Testament. Um, and we read them all, and I just kind of asked him, I was like, what do you think about this one? He's like, oh, I like that one. And we'd read the next one. He's like, no, this one's better. I was like, oh, really? Why? And he'd tell me, and then we'd read. And so that's, so that's how we ended up on this John one, because this was the one, after, after reading them all, that he was like, this is, this is the one you should do. I was like, okay. And we, we had a little conversation about it, which was very enlightening, because he noticed things in this and that I had never really thought of or questioned before. And I thought that was... I don't know. Interesting. So I wanted to I wanted to point some of this out and then just kind of have a conversation about about this uh, about this story that to me is very familiar. It's one that you hear all the time. It's the one that gives uh, Thomas one of the twelve his his nickname, Doubting Thomas. Like this is this is his legacy right here. Is that one moment when he was like, I don't know about this, guys. Um, the first the first thing about this is when this story takes place. Um, this story takes place, if you, if you look at the first verse, it says, it was still the first day of the week. 
And you're like, okay, it was still Sunday, but what was just happening before that? So if you look back up just a little bit, we have, oh, this is the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. Not only was it the first day of the week, it was still Easter. Because right before that, you've got Mary in the garden mistaking Jesus for a gardener and then being shocked to see him again um, and running to tell the disciples that I've seen the Lord. She, she left and announced, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. It was still the first day of the week that evening. Okay? So that's kind of cool. It's, it's like we're, we're still at Easter. We're still right back up. But then, so they're, they're, the, the, the disciples are all gathered together, and they're in the locked room, and it's locked because they're afraid of the Jewish authorities. And then we also mentioned, you know, by the way, Thomas wasn't there. And I don't know about you guys, but like the way I've always heard that story, it's just like, this is kind of a, you know, it's like he was out getting pizza for everybody or something. Or like he was, we don't know, you know, he was just off doing something. It's kind of casual. He's like, you know, who knows why he's here, but you know, it's Thomas. He'll show up later. But like they're, like on Friday or before that, they had the Last Supper and then Jesus is arrested and then they split and everybody runs and goes and hides. And then here on Sunday, they're all gathered together, locked in a room for fear of the Jewish authorities, except for Thomas. So is he still hiding? Is he not, you know, what's, what, what exactly is going on there? There's, there is an interesting story about what happens to Thomas from the end of the Last Supper all the way to eight days after the resurrection. And it doesn't tell us when he comes back and rejoins the group. It just says eight days later, they're all back together in the locked room because they're still afraid. And Thomas is with them this time. Now, could you imagine? And he's in, and it's like, and he didn't believe them. Well, so this guy's been on the run, hiding somewhere. Maybe he had a really good hiding spot and he didn't want to give it up. And... Then he hears the news. I'm sure everyone has heard the news. Jesus is crucified. And eventually, at some point over the next week, he reconnects with his friends. And they kind of have a happy attitude about them. You know, they're like, hey, Thomas, we're going to get back together and do the locked room thing again. You should join us. And, you know, and he's like, what? Like, because, you know, and they're like, no, we saw Jesus. He's alive. And he's like, that's not how this works, guys. Like, like he was crucified and like, you know. So you, you have that actual interaction. And then, and then of course, then Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, you know, Thomas, come, come check it out. And I'm going to give you exactly what you need. And then we have once again, this, um, blessing or this beatitude almost at the end where it's like, happy are those who don't see and yet believe, who it's almost like the in, at the end of this story, Jesus turns to the camera and says to all of us, happy are those who do not see and yet believe. <laughs> and then and then the narrator shows up to, to close us out, which would be a great ending to this book, except there's another chapter after this. So, you know, John could have used an editor maybe. All right, so the, the, mo- the main thing that, so a lot of that was my, snarky commentary in there too, but Henry was interested in like what happened to Thomas and the fact that this picks up right after, like the same day as the resurrection and you have this interesting story. Um, so, I don't know, let me, after, after reading it, after talking through it, um, let me turn this around to you guys. 
What do you like about this story? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what I like about this story, Doubting Thomas, he's my guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, you know, hearing you explain <clears throat> the situation between, right? It's not just like a, hey, casual, like, oh, I just, I'm not going to believe this until I see it. Like, I'm going to be obstinate. He's probably, like, freaked out. <laughs> and he's going to deny anything. You know, who I forget which one of them, you know, denied three times mm-hmm. before the the rooster. You know, yeah, he's probably in the defense mode type of thing. And it's, I don't know, I'd, <laughs> I'd feel similar, I, I would imagine. So. There's a cartoon panel somewhere that has Thomas and Peter talking to each other, and Thomas is going like, hey, at least they don't call you denying Peter all the time. (laughs) Who else? What do you like about this story? So they can hear you on Zoom. Oh, okay. Um, My favorite part is that Jesus meets Thomas right where he needs to be met and that he understands doubt and that makes me feel you know seen because I have doubts and I know Jesus knows that and I know he thinks yeah this is a crazy story and you're going to have doubts but I'm going to be right there that's Mm. my favorite part that's good who else You know, it reminded me of another thing Henry said. He read this. He's like, oh, this tells us that Jesus is always there with you, even though you can't see him. And I was like, really? How do you see that? He's like, well, when he showed up the second time to Thomas, he knew what Thomas had said before. He knew what he needed to see. So he was there. And then he came to go, okay, look, here's what you asked for. I was like, all right. Uh, and when, when Thomas got to Jesus, Jesus kind of already knew what he was going to say and said, here, put your hands here and check this out. Makes me think, this is the Alpha and the Omega. This is this is God. I wonder what other kind of crazy stuff he did to like, you know, casually be like, why are you having to ask me for proof type of thing? Like, did he put a half a horse to the wall and make him speak Spanish or something? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, just is the all-powerful, and he already knows, like, you need proof. <laughs> this is what you want to see? Holes in my hand? Sure, I can do that. And I'm like, yeah. you could ask for it. <laughs> yeah, check this out. <laughs> I like that. Um, just that that comment, really, it, it's almost like stupid human tricks with Jesus. It's like... <laughs> It's like my uncle who lost his thumb, you know, and yeah. he always is, does this trick really, really well. And, like, I just, I never even thought of it like that, but it, there is an element of it, of that, so. That's great. That's great. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but you handed the mic to me. Uh, this is the, uh, this is probably the first time, uh, I've, and I don't, I don't know if it's the Henry framing that you provided, but it's the first time that I've, that I've read it or that I've heard it. And it's almost, it, it almost sounds like doubt is assumed. Hmm. Like we're the ones who gave Doubting Thomas the nickname. Hmm. Uh, 
But it's, and, and Melinda, your, your reflections as I was walking back in, like, it's doubt's not a bad thing. Uh, it's actually an, an expected norm. Uh, and that just feels like good news to me. Yeah. Uh, is it, I think Anne Lamont, or maybe Barb, I think it's Anne Lamont who says, doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. Uh, that it is actually what gives us gives us life and allows the the, the faith to grow. Like that. Uh, but this is, I don't know. I was struck yeah. by this the first time where doubt. I didn't hear it as something to avoid or something mm. that's wrong with us. But yeah. actually, it's a normal part of life. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that feels pretty good to me. Cool. All right. Is there anything you did not like about this story? She's like, when's he going to ask? I was waiting for that. <laughs> All right. This was touched on a little bit, but I'm just really irritated that Peter doesn't get a bad rap, mm. but Thomas does because Peter didn't believe the women. Like he ran and checked it out for himself. He's like, that's, that's bull crap. I don't believe you. You know, like, um, you know, so. It's just rude that Thomas, you know, they're like, oh, Thomas, he didn't believe. It's like, oh, you wouldn't have begged either. Everybody else in the room they got to see saw it. him. Like, <laughs> none, none, of, none of them were the ones that, that believed without seeing. Yeah. They all had Don't to see it. Don't act all holy. Yeah. That's all. That's good. Thanks. Anyone else? Um, this isn't so much what um, I didn't like about this story this uh -huh. time, but that I didn't like about how I've heard the story before. And mm -hmm. it's just a translation difference uh -huh. of blessed versus happy. Mm -hmm. um, blessed are those who believe without seeing um, is how I've often heard this story, which to Ben and Jen's points, both make doubt seem taboo, make it seem like that's not how it's supposed to be. So I kind of identified with it differently today when I heard it said happy mm. because Yes, like it is truly like way easier, way less complex mm -hmm. if you just believe it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. And so hearing Thomas's story um, and just kind of like holding doubt as an accepted um, and great for people that don't have to see it and can still believe, but also great for those of us who have a lot of questions and need mm -hmm. some more time to work through what we're hearing or seeing or what we believe. Right, thanks. Happiness is overrated. <laughs> That's what I've always said. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before I started taking ADHD medication, I did not have very good, like, what I would call it long-term memory. I just felt like a goldfish all the time. Like, someone could be mean to me or I could see something that wasn't quite right. And I was like, but I forgot it five minutes later and just go on and, like, live my life. And I wonder sometimes, like, about that, you know, happier those who didn't have to see and believe. It's like, I was kind of happier when I had a goldfish memory in some ways <laughs> because I didn't remember all the things that I needed huh. to question and worry about as much, you know, like there, I don't know, there were, were ways that I was like 
dumber and happier. <laughs> um, and sometimes, like, I don't know if that's, like, I don't know if at the end if it's a, a necessarily a judgment on the people who see and don't believe, but more like, it sure would be easier if you didn't have to see to believe, but some of us do have to see to believe. Like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if it's a judgment so much as just, like, a reality. Yeah. Good, thanks. Yeah, a lot of times, thanks. Yeah, a lot of times we've brought a lot to this story and used this story as a way to say, don't be like that. You want to make sure that you you believe. And Jesus says that you're blessed if you believe without seeing. And Yeah. Um, is there anything in this story that you didn't understand? Not that I understood it and could explain it to you if you didn't, but... Um, only that uh, I do find myself like wondering like what was John's purpose in including this or like how does it fit into the broader mm. narrative or that you know he was driving for like to your point like this would have been a great place to end you know like fade to black but there was a whole other chapter right so I, I think that's what I find myself thinking about I don't understand who would want to put their hands in someone else's wounds. <laughs> I mean, like, seeing wounds is, you know, like, isn't that enough? <laughs> yeah. That's all. I, I got to touch this. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, ow! <laughs> you think he did that? You think he did one of those, oh, my gosh! Oh! I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is like, I mean, he shows up in the room though the doors are shut, but then you somehow can put your finger there and what, like the road to Emmaus, he comes and goes, disappears, and I just kind of wonder what that post-resurrection body is like. Yeah, it's like a ghost sometimes, and like a uh -huh. zombie sometimes, yeah. and like a regular person sometimes, oh, and sorry. yeah. Is there someone online? I mean, seeing Jesus is key to <laughs> the whole thing. If people mm -hmm. hadn't seen him, I doubt we'd be here today. You know, this rumor, huh? Don't doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, it's important to the disciples that changed their lives yeah. seeing him. Yeah. And and that's how we ha we are where we are today. So... I mean, it was important to see him. Very good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I really appreciate more and more the storyline way of today, especially discussing a familiar passage and getting so many, many different perspectives on the same collection of verses, uh, particularly uh, looking back on my complicated life, uh, typically still be told from the pulpit and you would get the preacher's view and that's the right view and the preacher was shaped by the denomination they're shaped by the seminary they're shaped by the commentators and that's that's the view of these verses thank you very much moving right along 
and the fundamentalist evangelicals want to make doubting horrible and this unforgivable sin, and you better not, or else your whole salvation is at risk, and oh my gosh. And the other ones, the liberals, charismatics would go, yeah, well, that's an amusing story to tell children, moving right along, let's go over to, you know, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and happy. You know, those are our main verses. Doubting, yeah, well, maybe so, maybe not, so what, let's go. But, but, and, and thank you, lastly, is that in the study of the Enneagram, um, golly molly, there are nine major ways to look at anything. You know, not just a Lutheran way or the Church of Christ way. There are, uh, 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 there are nine different personalities. Even within that, there's three subdivisions, 27 ways of looking at any passage, any. But there's not 27 commentaries on any passage. Thank you. Pass. Um, I was struck less by the doubting Thomas stuff, but right before when it said Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So first, one, what does that look like? Jesus breathing on you. (laughs) We tell Owen not to breathe on his brother because he'll just go. (sighs) And it's, uh, you know, it's not sanitary. Um, But also, like, he gives them a lot of power. Yeah. Um, with that Holy Spirit, it's like, if you forgive anyone, they're forgiven. But if you don't, they aren't. So I feel like he gives them a lot of power. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just a, I'm not really sure what I think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, I think there's something really interesting in that, too. Because that's the first time he shows up, right? And he... He breathes on them with the aerosol transmission of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and yeah, he, he gives them power. But then he also says, like, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Like, he gives them this commission right then to, like, take the Holy Spirit and this power and this ability to forgive or not and go and be sent. And eight days later, they are locked in a room. <laughs> and their buddy Thomas is there not believing. And I wonder how much of that is because he's like, y'all are still locked in the room too, so clearly we're afraid of something. Clearly nothing's changed. Um, and he, Jesus has to come back again for Thomas. But maybe, <laughs> maybe he had to come back for everybody. I don't know. What does this story tell us about God? About who God is? Uh, I don't know, I guess if you can wrap your head around the whole breathing bit, it kind of, you know, connects the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of, put, you know, it, it, it shows that kind of mm-hmm. clearly in the story. But, yeah, I can't get around the breathing. We're going to get into, like, Talladega Nights territory. And I like to think of Jesus as wearing a Tuxedo t-shirt. Well, it's like... I well, I like to think of Jesus as like a celestial Ghostbusters villain, <laughs> like a in that yeah, like kind of phasing in and out, and like oh yeah, there's the you know that kind of. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
All right. Who, who else? What, what does this story tell us about who God is? Um, so I also don't know what I think about the, the power he's giving for the forgiving and the not forgiving, but it does make me think that God is a team player and he, like, he, he's a delegator and an, an empowerer. And, you know, like, everybody gets to play. Yeah. I don't know. That, mm. You know, uh, on that, that, that bit about forgiven and not forgiven, like, I, I, I don't know Greek, and I did no word study on this whatsoever. But I noticed <laughs> <clears throat> that in this, in the translation that I read from today, which is the Common English Bible, all it says is, those that you forgive will be forgiven, and those that you do not forgive will not be forgiven, which is almost a meaningless statement. Because it's like, if I give you water, then you have water. And if I don't, then you didn't get any water from me. <laughs> right? So, like, I don't know if that is that's a translation's choice to just kind of leave it at that, or if there is some other meaning there that it's just like, it. maybe it's not as final as it seems to sound. It's like, I'm not going to forgive you and that's it. You are out. Or it's like, I'm not going to forgive you. And that means that I didn't forgive you. And there's still something here. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> uh, Did you think of what Betsy's question was? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, uh, what, what I have to say is better than what's going to come out. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the John's community, those receiving the story, were generation removed, essentially, from the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So few, if any, of them were firsthand witnesses to it. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm wondering when John is uh, narrating the story, uh, Uh, yeah, everyone thinks I'm a heretic. Anyway, so I'll just say this. <laughs> like John, more than any other gospel, I think this is true for, for all the gospels, but John particularly is, I believe, a witness of both um, pre- and post-resurrection Jesus. And so it's a telling of a story not just of what happened, but of who the community came to understand Jesus to be. Hmm. Uh, that their experience of Christ... Um, post-resurrection is a part of the narrative uh, that John is telling. So when John tells about the disciples being locked up because of the authorities, John's community likely sees themselves in that experience as folks who feel like they, they, uh, they've been locked up or they're afraid of the authorities. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the, the words about forgiveness are an articulation of a community that knows what it means to be forgiven and what it means not to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. uh, to your point, as like there's just simple power. It's not like you're, you're judge and jury now. You get to you do it. But all of that to say, 
I think I think it's stunning for me. It's stunning the ways in which uh, God is adaptable, and God is willing to go behind locked doors, even when the community is like, "We're done. We need to shut out the world." Uh, that God welcomes Thomas. Uh, that in so many ways the story reminds me that God is not like we are. Um, God is willing to cross boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, God is willing to open things up that we have a very hard time opening up. Uh, even even the, the weird you know, wound checking, like God as this witness of vulnerability to the world. Yeah. Uh, is it? It just it just feels like good news. I know I'm, I'm, I've said that a couple of times today, but it feels good newsish. All right, I don't know. Oh, thanks. One more question. Regardless of where your faith is right now. If you were to apply what we learned about God to something in your life this week, what would that look like? Um, That as one who sort of professes to follow Jesus, um, I don't have the monopoly on who he is or that I know all the things and that um, others um, have things to bring and I can be learning more about who Jesus is um, from everyone around me. I like that. Maybe. Uh, so what would we do this week to show? Can you ask that again, please? Yeah. I always have, I always have to read this one. I have it written down. Oh. Regardless of so, where your faith is right now, if you were to apply what we learned about God to something in your life this week, what would that look like? All right, you got you got the microphone live now. No. Okay, now. Good. All right. I'm gonna set it down right. Here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Regardless of where your faith is right now, if you were to apply what we learned about God to something in your life this week, what would that look like? So that would look like being a little more <clears throat> open to having uh, just the faith and not doubting for myself. I don't have a problem with faith, generally mm-hmm. speaking, for anyone. <laughs> it's different when it's yourself. I don't know. So, yeah. Thanks, Roger. Um, for me... I- it's kind of like a message to slow down and be more open to meeting people where they actually are in the moment. I tend to be a 
pretty impatient person and I want for everyone to be on the same page as me uh, and sometime forsake that there are doubters and I've been a doubter and I just need someone to like be willing to wait for me. Thanks. I think um, thinking about what Ben said about Jesus being vulnerable, um, he was the Brene Brown of his time. <laughs> 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 um, it's a little social work joke. Um, but just thinking about how he was vulnerable and that I think I need to be more vulnerable, especially with my children. Yesterday I was very anxious for reasons, I don't know. Um, and I think it was the first time, instead of hiding it from them, I said, I'm feeling very anxious right now. And if I snap at you, it is not you, it is me. Um, but, and I, I listened to a podcast the other day, I can't remember which one, um, and it was like, we need to basically show people, like normalize what it's like to have feelings <laughs> and negative feelings um, and not always hide that part of ourselves. Um, and so I think that is what I will take with me this week. Thank you. Well, this table gets a gold star. <laughs> yes. Mm. Way to go, team. Hello. Um, so what we've been talking about has me and and the the weird you know if you forgive they'll be forgiven and all you know all that like has me thinking about like you know being more generous or open toward people and like uh, you know I'm not saying this well but like having an attitude of of like understanding and realizing that I don't know what's going on with them right um, I feel like that's all kind of connected. Um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like, what's gone on in their life or the forgiveness that they've experienced or that kind of thing. At the same time, I'm also thinking about, like, uh, um, this idea of, like, the importance of, like, being open and charitable toward others while also not necessarily, like, providing cover for, um, things that are messed up for injustice in the, in the system, in the world. So, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Hmm. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Um, I was just thinking about the idea of incarnation being difficult to experience and hiding. That whether it's Mary experiencing the closeness of God in the in the garden by the tomb or the disciples experiencing the closeness of God because they were together or then coming around to Thomas and experiencing the closeness of God 
through his friends who have had the spirit breathed on them and also through Jesus. Um, and I just think like thinking about if Thomas was hiding the first time and he was by himself, it's not that he can't experience closeness of God in that space, but the more that you move outside of your hiding places, the more opportunities you have to see that. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I want to like mm-hmm. mull over more mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was thinking about the, let's see, the grossness of the wounds and the breathing on people. Um, and I was thinking about how, you know, we, we really make faith like this mental thing, this thing that happens above our bodies that only happens in our minds. But like in the gospel stories, it's very earthy and it's very physical and it's very like Jesus is like, let me show you that I have healed this person. Let me like, Put your hand, you know, put your hand in my side. It's like all of these things, and we kind of want to be like, ew, ugh. But it's almost like that's the essence of, of faith. Huh. Um, it's like being in touch with what's real and like what you can see in front of you. And um, I was just thinking about that, like in my daily life and with my kids, and um, yeah, that sometimes that seems really disconnected. Sometimes all the icky stuff that I do seems really disconnected from my faith, but actually it, it's very connected. Um. Thanks. <clears throat> I think for me, I'm still thinking about what Henry said yesterday morning, that... This story shows that Jesus is always there with you, even when it doesn't doesn't seem like it. And looking at the story, even when it doesn't even seem possible, because you know for a fact that he died a couple of days ago. <clears throat> and yet, he was there, because he knew what Thomas needed. Now, of course, I haven't had that experience where I'm like, I don't feel like Jesus is here. I really wish he would do this. And then, like, eight days later, he shows up in my locked room and goes, here you are. Um, That would be interesting. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, Sometimes I just, I kind of forget about the idea of God's presence with me and how that should affect my decisions, not that like it means I'd better be on my best behavior because God's watching me. Um, that did you ever sing that song as a kid? It sounds horrible now. Like, be, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Yeah. The Father up above is looking. Yeah. Anyway, not not like that, but to know that in any situation I'm not alone. Cause sometimes it does feel like that, or that in any situation like there is another that knows what it feels like, what I'm feeling right now. Or, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have an action yet, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm taking away from this. Thank you all for your discussion this morning. Uh, I enjoyed talking about this familiar story and learning a lot of, a lot of new things through it. Let's pray.
God, thank you for for your presence, um, for for being for being with us, even though even though it sometimes honestly doesn't seem like you really are. Um, I thank you for this story that uh, that we only really get small glimpses of and still leave some questions. What was Thomas doing that weekend? What was what was his life like? What was he feeling? What what brought him to that point? Thank you for empathy, for your empathy, um, and help us to lean into that more, to see where people are coming from. For your story of vulnerability, for your story of forgiveness, of faith in each other and in ourselves, for, for your love. Thank you for this, and we ask that you, you go with us Um, as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.